Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine, and with me again today is... Hey, uh, you caught me right in, in the middle of a big yawn and a big stretch. <laughs> this is uh, happily retired. Lieutenant Frank Borelli, who, uh, as we discussed prior to recording, just realized how lazy I've gotten since they can't put me in a uniform anymore. And uh, the holiday season's not helping. My middle is well padded, and I have to fix that. Well, you've got the the new year coming up, so you can put that as one of your resolutions. Yeah, I'm not that guy that waits <laughs> for something to start as a resolution. I realized that this morning when I got on the scale this morning and went, well, I know what I'm doing today. And uh, yeah, it's all about... Um, for me, it's it's a mathematical calculation. M- more calories being burned than being fed into the system. So easy enough to track, easy enough to take care of. Just uh, got to do today. What's it's one of my favorite sayings, and I know this is this is the lineup. We're discussing news. This is going to be a very brief philosophical observation. My my favorite statement: I will do today what others won't, so that I can do tomorrow what others can't. Uh, and, and I try to keep that in mind every day. I've just been lazy about it. So time to put it back in focus. That's how I'm doing. Let's dive into news, man. All right, let's start. And this is our last regular edition of the lineup for the year. Uh, our next two episodes uh, will be special uh, holiday editions, if you will. So we'll kind of fill you in at the end of the episode on what that will be. But Leah, let's get started with uh, this week's stories. Uh, first story is out of Connecticut. And another example of the growing problem of street takeovers across the country. Um, a Milford police officer um, was attacked uh, while trying to break up a street takeover. Um, he was punched, had objects thrown at his head, and fireworks set off uh, in front of his cruiser. Uh, and, and those actually did damage to the vehicle. Um, this is not uh, a new thing. In fact, uh, we've been seeing this really since um, the start of the pandemic, as far as it getting been con- out of control. Uh, you saw a little bit even before uh, before uh, 2020. Uh, but it, in some areas, it's, it's really becoming a problem where crowds uh, in the hundreds are gathering on streets, in parking lots, um, driving around, doing donuts, what have you. Um, in some cases, clogging up traffic um, or, or creating dangerous situation. Um, and uh, when police try to break it up, this this is what can happen uh, because the officers are are well outnumbered in a lot of cases. Oh, almost always, Joe. Almost always. Yeah. So, and luckily, the officer in this case only suffered minor injuries, but um, again, to be, you know, physically attacked by his person and then to have his vehicle explosives set off um, uh, in front of it, enough to do damage to it, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's got to be a daunting situation when, when you're put into that. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not being critical of the officer, but we need to learn the lessons. Right. Um, And we've already mentioned mentioned, you know, whether or not he's outnumbered in general, we don't ever want to be outnumbered. Now, I know that there's uh, you know, what was the TV show used to be Walker, Texas Ranger, one Ranger, one riot. 
uh, one riot, one ranger, whatever. <clears throat> uh-huh. And then when, when I, I was a, a guest instructor at the state Academy here in Maryland, uh, decades ago, I heard that same statement, one trooper, one riot. And, you know, it, it's great. But one of the 10 deadly errors is that tombstone courage or that, that Wyatt Earp feeling, right? We were not invincible. And there are a lot of people who have absolutely no respect for the uniform or the badge. Uh, in this case, you know, the officers trying to get some kind of penetration of control on this crowd. Uh, absolutely not going to happen. Somebody assaults him by pushing a, a, a shopping cart at him. He pushes or he pushes it away. Somebody else pushes it back again. And then that's where the the, the, the switch gets flipped. And this is where the officer probably um, his judgment starts to go a little bit sideways. And he goes after this person into the crowd and just going after somebody in a crowd is a bad idea. That's when we re- we really need to maintain our demeanor, not let the crowd or individuals in the crowd uh, get the best of us and goad us into doing something that's going to not go well for us in the end. I'm glad the officer's not severely injured, uh, but he was hospitalized. That's that's you know that indicates some some injury that's right. going to take some time to be uh, treated and recovered from. Um, yeah, more than a hundred people in this crowd. Uh, this isn't something that one officer should have been deployed to. This is one of those instances where a civil disturbance unit, uh, you know, 20 or more officers in the proper gear maybe should have been called out. Um, you know, the fire department showing up with a high pressure hose might have been a good response here. Um, but I'm glad the officer is not severely injured. And I hope others who see this uh, realize the lessons to be learned. Yeah, the, these aren't cases of, of being able to drive up and say, break it up, you know, move on. Um, you, the uh, department released uh, the officer's body camera footage and you see just how chaotic a scene and and how thick the crowd is, along yep. with the, the, the smoke from the fireworks. Um, it, it, it's a very um, disorienting situation, I imagine, being in the middle of that. Um, with so much going on and, and you are the only the only person there and, and no one's listening to you. Um, yeah. So moving on to our next story, we'll go to Georgia and a case of a deputy putting his his life at risk um, to stop a man, uh, a suspect uh, who had taken off in a stolen vehicle. Um, this is out of Glen County. Um, where Glen County Sheriff's Deputy Christopher Hatcher um, decided to put his cruiser uh, in front of a wildly careening stolen vehicle um, during a chase. Um, the suspect had stolen uh, the car from a woman who was checking her mail. Um, he, she had tried to pull the, while well, the, the suspect was taking off with the car, the, her dog was still in there and she had tried to pull the dog out the, the suspect actually punched the dog and the woman held onto the leash as, as he, as the man drove away. Um, once the man got away in the vehicle, a, a chase ensued with deputies. Um, Deputy Hatcher was able to get ahead of the chase and was positioning his vehicle to get in front of uh, the stolen car. That suspect actually hit a pickup truck and then went out of control and, the deputy decided, you know what, I've got to do something. And what I'm going to do is put my vehicle in front of, of this, this other vehicle. Hey, Joe, it, I, yes. forgive me for interrupting you, but that's not how I read this. And it, I, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Hands down. 
kudos to Deputy Hatcher, but he says, I attempted, I tried to move out of the way, but then for some reason, I turned right into his car, which deflected him into the parking lot. So his ultimate action, yeah, it, it did. He got right in this guy's way. I love how he says, I've never had an airbag go off before, and I don't ever want to have it happen again. Um, getting punched by the airbag probably didn't feel so good. But I think this is no. one of those moments where things happen so fast, where his intention was to move, and it didn't work out that way. And ultimately, uh, it, it worked out for the better as long as he wasn't hurt. The thing that really, really bothers me about this story, and, and I can't think it went well, was I, I want to know what happened to the dog. I mean, it sounds like the dog was still trapped in the car with the bad guy. Uh, if if the owner was being dragged by the leash, there's a good chance that leash was caught in a window or a door. And then this vehicle has a head-on collision with the deputy's car. I hope the dog wasn't hurt. But no, 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 nobody says what happened to the dog. No, I, I know. And exactly. The story didn't mention that. And I was um, – that was a question I had as far as was the uh, woman able to – to at least get the dog out of the car because she was holding onto the leash. I mean, hopefully that didn't hurt the dog as well. And to, to punch a dog, uh, that yep. uh, that bothers me. But um, uh, one of the other things is after this crash um, with the airbag bag deploying, um, that wasn't the end of the chase. Um, there is security camera video of um, the deputy and the suspect uh, uh, engaged in a foot chase. Um, I am just, uh, I've been in a few, um, you know, fender benders, nothing where the airbag deployed, but in some cases I didn't feel like getting out of the car so much as, as having to chase after someone. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, again, um, uh, glad to see he was okay. And he did, uh, suffer, uh, I guess some injury to his arm that, it, that caused it to, uh, uh, become inflamed but um he returned to work two days later after after the incident and you know you're absolutely right it's one of those things um it, i and i i can honestly say i've only ever been in one traffic accident that was my fault i love being able to say this but i was on duty in a police car and when i looked up there was a guy in the middle of the street with a shotgun pointed at me oh my gosh <laughs> so making that turn and running into that locked closed wrought iron gate seemed entirely justified because yeah. it got me out of the line of fire um, no kidding. But it is interesting that you have an accident on the street. Somebody hits you, whatever happens. And you're like you said, you don't want to get out of your car. You want to sit there for a minute. You want to take that assessment, right? Am I severely hurt? Is Does everything work? Am I bleeding from anywhere? Um, and when you're on duty and you're in that heat of that moment and there there isn't any of that. If, if you can function, you're still functioning. The bad guy jumped out. I got to jump out. And then when it's all done and said... And I've had this happen too. Somebody looks at you and goes, dude, what are you going to do about that cut on your head? Or, or do you realize there's blood dripping from your fingers? Right. Or, you know, did you realize you've got a, a scratch on your cheek? You know, whatever. It's like, nope, never even felt that. Heat of the moment, adrenaline way high. Now the incident's over and I realize, well, crap, I've ruined this uniform. I'm bleeding from here. My shoulder really doesn't feel so good. Why is my knee swollen? And it's all of that after the adrenaline high comes is, is gone. Right. Anyway, so moving on to our next story, uh, this is out of Illinois, um, a scary situation. Body camera footage footage was released of a um, this was in Springfield of a 17 year old um, male who 
somehow uh, got a handgun inside a juvenile detention center and began shooting. He took a uh, 16-year-old female hostage in this case, and footage that was released uh, included uh, security camera footage from inside the juvenile detention center, as well as the body camera footage from um, the officers who uh, responded and were able to uh, stop the gunman. Um, But uh, you see it. What um, was fascinating about this footage is it's one of those in a lot of these cases of these um, shooting situations, you're only getting the body camera footage and you're just seeing it from that point of view. This really gave you a perspective of everything that is transpiring and um, you you almost see the the um, added dangers of what's happening because you're seeing this this 17 year old just just opening fire into windows into doors inside it the the very scared um hostage who um is crying and screaming at times um and these officers acting quickly um were able to shoot and uh take down uh the uh, 17 year old as he and the hostage were exiting uh the juvenile uh juvenile detention center um and in fact even after um uh, the teen was was shot once, and and it knocked his gun his handgun away. You see the video footage, and he is he is scrambling to get the gun again before actually just being shot again and and giving up. Um, but um, yeah, just a a a scary situation, especially when there is a hostage involved. Yeah, I want to I want to congratulate you. It's a rare occasion you're going to hear me say this. I want to congratulate ABC News. Because, uh, you know, when you look at the video and um, so whoever, uh, you know, in in writing this article, I congratulate you as well. All too often, that 17 year old, they wouldn't have listed his age, right? It would just would have been the juvenile male and somebody would attack the police officers for shooting and killing this juvenile. And couldn't they have found a better way? And and they would have hyper sensationalized it and and twisted it around. Uh, I think the lesson to be learned here. Number one, things can go south when you least expect it, where you least expect it. Number two, just because this suspect's been shot and dropped his gun does not mean that the threat has been neutralized. And this is the perfect example. Uh-huh. Despite being shot, the team, you know, he goes trying to get his gun again and the police shoot him again. 100% justified. We don't have to wait for him to have the gun in the hand and start shooting at us a second time. We're 100% justified. Uh, and then the, the suspect surrenders. And then when they get him to the hospital, he's pronounced dead. You know, to his surviving family, I you have my sympathies. You have my condolences. Um, but to the officer, way, way to stay on point. Way to keep your guard up. Way to do what you got to do. I hope you don't lose any sleep over it. Um, right. A lot of lessons to be learned here. Right. And, and and that is the thing about the the multiple angles that a uh, video that you're able to see is um, it's you do you you see what what him scrambling for the gun you see um what he is doing inside the juvenile detention center before he he exits and 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 confronts the uh the police officers um and it it gives a better picture because a lot of times you get this body camera footage and it's kind of a straight on perspective and you don't really get to see it, it you're relying a lot on the report itself and and i think this it really gives a 
an unfortunate view of of what these shootings can be like. Well, I'm not going to say unfortunate. It gives a more holistic view, and that matters. You you can you can almost translate intent from body language. What was he trying mm -hmm. to do? Yep. What was his goal? And you can see that with these videos. You're right. It's not just a body camera video, but that this is, gives a more holistic view. And I look forward to the day where artificial intelligence or AI can create kind of a 720 degree, right? A 360 mm -hmm. degree horizontal plane, 360 degree vertical plane, the 720 degree view of what happens in these situations. And it'll, I think, all too often justify and exonerate law enforcement officers who are improperly accused of uh, unlawful force. But moving on to our next story and somewhat related, another uh, hostage situation. This is out of California. Um, where San Bernardino police uh, officers um, had to uh, save a three-year-old who was being held at gunpoint by a woman. Um, still images from uh, this incident were released by the department. Um, and it, this was, uh, I, I like this quote from uh, uh, one of the lieutenants uh, who said, the gun was pointed directly at the child's head and we couldn't spend too much time negotiating. Um, you you see the 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 photo, and even though it, it's you know it's a bit blurry, you 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 understand the danger that's involved. And again, we're dealing with a child, a, a juvenile who is who is being put in the crossfire of this. Um, and the officers uh, were able to um, save the, um, the the boy. Um, the woman was uh, shot. Um, and like, like the Lieutenant said, uh, you know, we, we didn't have time to negotiate. This was, you know, she had the gun to the boy's head and you don't know what is going to happen at that point. And it's about saving lives. Yeah. And action always beats reaction. So she's got a gun pointed at this child's head and, and I'm, I, I hate to be the one that does sensationalize, but this, this is the face of evil, a 35 year old woman with a gun pointed at a three year old's head. Just no. I, I don't care how you try to justify it. I don't care what the motivation is. I don't care. I don't want to sympathize. I don't want to find out whether or not she had a troubled childhood or what she's on. I don't care. She's threatening a three-year-old. Shoot her. This is the answer. Um, you know, studies have shown that bad guys with two rounds in their chest present less of a threat. So uh, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm glad the three-year-old was saved. I hope he doesn't remember the incident. I hope it doesn't, yeah. you know, traumatize him through his life kudos to the officers who did what they needed to do the lieutenant was 100 percent right uh you know you can't risk the safety of the child spending time on negotiations you you represent a threat to a child you get ventilated I, i'm not i'm not losing sleep over it and i'm not going to delay it and you've talked earlier in this episode too about you know the the after effects of situations like this for officers and i know I've had my dad talk about situations he's been in and he will, has always said the worst situations always involved a child. It, yep. it, that was, that was, that's the stuff that, that weighed on him the most, um, you know, when he went home that day and then years after. So, um, you know, again, hopefully this, this isn't something that uh, that hangs on on these officers who who did the right thing and, and saved this boy's life. Hundred percent. 
moving on to our next story. This is out of Washington, and it's a case of you, you never know where the bullet's going to go. Um, or how lucky you're going to be. Yes. Um, uh, Pierce County Sheriff's deputy um, was uh, lucky um, when a DUI suspect opened fire uh, on on him and the bullet struck his handcuff pouch. Um, when it happened, he thought he was shot, um, was checked out by medics, and they discovered, nope, you're, you're okay. <laughs> your, your, your handcuffs deflected it. Um, and it, it just goes to show you, yeah, um, boy, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily the bullet with your name on it. It's all the ones that say occupant that you got to worry about. Right. To, to whom it may concern. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, and, and there's been other, uh, stories of this through history where, uh, you know, bullets that are incoming, that they get stopped by everything from badges to Bibles to, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, that whiskey flask, that steel that shouldn't have been in the officer's blouse pocket, but happened to be and stopped around. Um, it, this in the officer saying, I think I've been shot. Absolutely. You hear shots and you feel the impact uh, and you don't know whether that bullet's penetrated or not um, because of the back face deformation, just the impact and the pain. So I'm glad that the, the round was stopped by the officers. It wasn't the handcuff case, obviously, that did it. Leather's not stopping the round, but <laughs> hitting the handcuffs um, and, and the multiple layers of metal does stop that round. And uh, I'm really happy for the officer that this one of those freak blessings or, or accidents of good luck. Right. right. Um, I'm, I'm glad he wasn't hurt. It's one of those cases where if the guy tried, he probably couldn't hit the, the handcuff pouch if he was aiming. And you know, right. Like oh. I couldn't do that again if I tried, but I did it 100 percent by accident and um, it's all good. Moving on to our next story, and uh, sadly, again, we're talking about um, a police department and troubles with its staffing. Um, this is out of St. Louis, where um, the department is is seeing a historic low um, in its ranks. Um, it, it, the St. Louis Police Department is budgeted for um, just over 1,200 officers, um, but right now they only have just a a small bit over 900 of those positions filled. Um, and um, at the end of last month, um, they had lost 17 officers. Um, it, it's um, again, another dramatic example of just how tough it is for some departments to uh, recruit and retain its officers. Uh, and we have seen this nationwide, but I'm, I'm going to, risk the anger of the city council of St. Louis. They, they need to look at how they're doing business. All right. Uh, you know, West St. Louis and St. Louis are two different things. And if I'm not yes. wrong, back in 2008, when the housing bubble burst, West St. Louis, <clears throat> excuse me, shut down their police department in whole and total um, because budgeting is attached to tax base. Right. And when all of the tax, all the evaluations went down, all, all the property valuations went down, taxes went down. Uh, so, th so the budgets all had to be decreased. Now, this is a city. St. Louis isn't small, right? I mean, they're big enough to be have their own pro uh, sports teams and so on. And their police department's down forty percent. Forty percent. That's almost half. That's utterly ridiculous. Um, you know, they they're they're running into big challenges, but I don't I don't think it's the officers. I I think the city needs to look 
at how they treat, support, budget, recruit, everything. They, they need to take a holistic look at how they're staffing their police department and how they're treating their police officers. Um, and and the, the re one of the biggest reasons I say that, one of the biggest indicators, according to this article, the city's lost 22% of its, of its residents mm -hmm. in the last 25 years. Um, if, if a fifth of your people have moved out, you're doing something wrong. It's time to take another look at how you're doing business. So I, I hope these officers, I hope the agency manages to get back to staff, but I think that they're going to, they, they're, um, they're, they're, they're for as big as they are, for as big as the city is, they've, they've got budgeting problems. They're, they're not paying what they ought to be paying. Uh, anyway, I, I could rant about these people forever. This is how the city does business. This isn't a reflection on the agency. That is such a great point of, uh, of looking at, at, at it from, from a larger picture um, in these cases. I think a lot of times, um, cities just try to to do the you know they'll, they'll they'll throw money at it i guess in, in the terms of of uh bonuses or, or or things like that um but not looking really from a long-term standpoint what do we do what do we need to do to foster um an environment so that we you know we don't have to kind of lure people here are the reputation of the department and the stature of it is is going to be uh, enough so yeah. they need a respected leader to develop the plan. The city council needs to get behind it and then they need to publicize it widely. They need to take on a branding campaign is what they need. Um, they yeah. need to look at it as an advertising campaign. They need to change their image. They've got a lot of work to do. I hope they can manage to get it done, but I hope the officers that are there that are working with so under strength that you have know, such low staffing numbers uh, don't pay the price and in injuries, uh, even if it's stress injuries, um, you know, the family stress and everything else that gets affected. I, I hope that they come through it okay. And our final story for today, uh, this is a case of there is no such thing as off-duty or retirement uh, when you're a police officer. Um, the NYPD uh, was praising two brothers, retired police officers, who helped save um, Martin Luther King's birth home in Atlanta from a woman who was dousing it with gasoline and looked to be threatening to light it on fire. Um, this had happened actually last week and um, happened uh, or at least became aware of it after we recorded. And I'm glad that the department kind of praised them this week because I, I, I wanted to recognize um, uh, Kenny and, and Axel Dodson, these retired NYPD officers who detained this woman after two tourists basically pointed her out um and they had been in atlanta to visit their father uh were walking by the house they felt they thought you know what we'll take some pictures uh little did they know that this was transpiring and, and unfolding and it happened in front of them and they were able to detain the woman um and it just it, you know uh, just great uh to see i guess in a lot of ways, they were civilians doing this. And we, we've talked that we've had stories like that. Um, but uh, to, to step up and um, uh, to, to help save this, uh, this monument, this landmark is it, just great. So I, I, there's a couple of reasons I love this. Number one, you're right. Off duty and retired. If it's in your heart, it's in your heart. You're, you're not off duty. You're, he's not, they're not even in the jurisdiction. They retired in New York. They were never cops in Georgia. And, and they're in Atlanta. 
you know, and they're trying to enjoy some downtime and they see that it's alerted to their attention. Like you said, I love the interaction between the two of them because Kenny's mm-hmm. like, all right, should we chase her? And Axel's like, I'm not chasing anybody. I think we should go get her, but I'm going to drive in the car. I'm not running. But like, I'm retired. I'm not going to run. And then his brother jumps out and starts chasing her. You know, Kenny jumps out and starts chasing her. And that's when it kicks in. And I've been here, you know, when when you're when you're partnered with somebody and they get out and they go, you're not thinking, well, do I really want to go too? Am I going to drive? Am I going to walk? You're like, nope, they bailed out. I bailed out. Here we go. It's on. Um, and, and, you know, for brothers to be doing that, I think it's great. You know, they, they catch this this criminal suspect. Um, they don't have handcuffs, obviously. They're retired. <laughs> They're just going to hold on to her. Um, and it's really cool that, you know, they get the compliments and the backing from the commissioner in New York City, uh, the police commissioner there. Like, of course, I'm proud of them. This is great. I mean, here's what NYPD, NYPD officers do, even when they're retired and way out of state. Um, mm. I like that the officers, you know, they said, yeah, I kind of miss that adrenaline rush yeah. from time to time. I miss coming out, doing the job, helping people. I retired a year ago, Joe. I miss it. Uh, I, I miss going out and helping people. I don't miss all of the stupid on the street. I don't, I don't miss the unexpected. Um, I, I miss the feeling of accomplishment sometimes at the end of the day, but kudos to these brothers. I, just, it's, it's an awesome story. And uh, I think it was Kenny who said this. It was just a great thing that he said. It, it was the joy I had from doing some policing with my little brother. I, I mean, that was the other thing too, is I, I, I've, I, I, the, uh, the joy, I guess the enthusiasm, and I guess that sounds a little weird, but, um, I, I get it. And, um, you know, uh, here were, yeah, here are two brothers, um, not just, not just retired officers, but brothers as well, um, in, in the biological sense. Um, so yeah, just, just great for, for both of them, you know, kudos to them. And now you understand why the TV show Blue Bloods is so popular yeah. because it's the family thing. And the article didn't say whether they ever even worked together on the street. Right. You know, they could have been worked. They could have been brothers on New York City PD and never worked the same beat, never worked the same uh, patrol district, never been on the same assignment together. You never know. So doing that work together might it might have been a first for them. It, it could have been a really cool thing. Yeah. But well, thank- hey, let's oh. tell our le- readers. Yes. Our, our listeners, our readers, man, I need more coffee about our two specials. And then we got to sign off. Coming up next Friday will be our special. Um, I, I will call it our, our sort of heartwarming feel good episode. Uh, looking back uh, at some of those types of stories that we've covered in the podcast. And then the following uh, Friday, uh, we'll be looking at uh, the uh, criminals. I criminals. I was, there you Stupid go. Criminals. <laughs> So be here for for both of those episodes uh, as you uh, kind of wind down the year. And again, thank you very much for listening as always. And we hope to have you back uh, next week. I want everybody to stay safe. I like how we time these, Joe. You know, the feel-good stories a few days before Christmas and the stupid criminal stories a few days before New Year's seems appropriate timing. As if we had a plan. (laughs) That's all yours, dude. Kudos to you. I love your plan. Everybody stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.